Good morning, guys. Good to, uh, good to be together. Go ahead and turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, just a, a few quick announcements. No, no midweek this week. Uh, registration for the 2020 summit, okay, in Orlando, entitled Vision. Registration is now open. I think there were a little over 3,000 people to register in the first weekend that it was open. 5,000 already. So uh, go ahead and book your hotels. Uh, there are certain hotels that are connected to the convention center. So it's first come, first serve. But uh, that's going to be an awesome time. Uh, for those of you who have been there in the past, I think in 2012, there was about, it was a war, all, you know, everyone in our churches from around the world was invited, and there was uh, right around 20,000 people that met in San Antonio, and uh, in 2016, uh, it was just the North America Summit, and there was a little over 15,000 people that, that joined together. This is another world summit, so uh, I'm really excited to, to worship. Guys, it's incredible. Uh, book your flights, save up, do whatever it takes to get there. It will be worth it, I guarantee you. Uh, last week, Christian, where's Christian? Christian, go ahead and stand up. Christian got baptized last week. Amen. Come on. That is exciting. And uh, I do, do want to say a quick thank you to Jackson. Um, Jackson's our you know building manager, and this dude has been on it with all the weather that we've had there are so many last minute uh just unexpected forecasts that come and jackson's come up here and salted stuff at night and uh you know shout out to brett and connor and tony and perry as well that have last week they scooped the scooped the whole uh parking lot so just a big thank you to them um man we had our marriage retreat last weekend was it only it was last weekend it was like a year ago uh we had over 20 couples just from Lawrence there. It was, it was incredible. I think there were over 200 couples that registered. Um, it, it was just a great time to come together as a heartland and uh, get some real practical help with our marriages. So it was a really, really encouraging time. Uh, I, it was funny while we were down there. I want to share this story. I heard it yesterday, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that uh, this happened. This has nothing to do with my sermon, by the way, uh, or, any, or anything else relevant in your life. But... It, it happened while we were, you know, two days before we got to Wichita. So that's why, that's the connection, right? That's where it comes from. But I, I guess it was a, there was a Home Depot. And uh, the police got called for a bomb threat. And I guess there was a, 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 a worker that was washing his hands, and he overheard this guy say, I'm going to blow this place up. You better get out. And the guy, it was in the bathroom, right? So the police showed up. And the guy was just in the bathroom trying to give a sincere warning to everybody in there that you guys better get out because I'm going to blow this place up. And uh, Home Depot didn't, didn't press charges. But uh, I just thought when I heard that, that that was the most unbelievable thing that I've ever heard in my life. And we were there, like we were in Wichita, like only in Wichita, right? Only in Wichita. Goodness gracious. Man. Woo! All right, pull it, pull it back. Let's reel it back in. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled Love Driven. Um, and what we're doing throughout this series is we're just continuing to look at the cross. And I love it because the cross eliminates all excuses. 
It really does. Because there's nothing that we will go through in life that we'll be able to look at Jesus on the cross and say, yeah, but Jesus, you don't get it. You don't understand what's going on. We'll never be able to say that. And I think you can make the case that almost every situation that we go through in life, we can look to the cross for an example of how Jesus handled it. The cross really does eliminate all excuses. And I think it would be great in our everyday conversations, in our D times, in our family group times, if when we were sharing what's going on in our life, we would ask that question, can you think of any example that's shown on the cross? And I think that that's a great way to help us work through the different things that are going on in life. Last week, Brett talked about love-driven humility. And when you think about humility, it's not thinking of yourself more highly than you should, right? And uh, if anyone was able to think that they were too important for anything, it would have been Jesus. But even Jesus didn't view himself as too important. He loved us so much that he was willing to lower himself sacrifice for people who didn't deserve it. And today what we're going to be talking about is unity, love-driven unity. And a question that we're going to be asking ourselves over and over and over again, are you building unity or are you building barriers? We're going to look to the cross, we're going to look to Jesus uh, to see a great example of someone that built unity and broke down barriers. And, uh, you know, especially I think this relates so much with it being Black History Month as we celebrate black history and the so many men and women that sacrificed and fought to break down barriers. Amen? And, uh, you know, I'm wearing this this morning. Tay got me this from Donna. And uh, everyone asked me if Adirin got it, got it for me. And uh, Adirin, no, he didn't get this for me. I told Adirin that Tay got it for me. And Tay said, oh, so is this your new that you got to replace me. Um, no one could replace you, Adirin. No one could replace you. But if anyone could, it would probably be Tay. So. But Tay got me this a, a while ago, and uh, after about a, yeah, maybe two months, he said, hey, Willie, why haven't you worn the thing that I got you from Ghana? I said, I don't know. I think with some of the racial tension that's been going on, I don't know if people would think it was weird or inappropriate. He said, Willie, why would it be weird for people to embrace other people's cultures. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and, and he really challenged me that we all have different cultures, and that's the problem is that we think it's weird. But we should really be embracing those different cultures. And so that's why I'm wearing this this morning as we talk about unity. And unity, you know, it's one of those things that's it's hard to define, right? Uh, it, in its simplest form... It means oneness, but that's hard to define. But it's really easy to see, right? You can tell when something's unified. You can tell when something's not unified. You, you know, I'm sure we've all been on a team that was really unified and teams that haven't been unified. I'm sure we've all worked for businesses that were really unified, and we've had jobs where the coworkers were not unified at all, right? Uh, We've maybe even been a part of families. And you can tell when your families are unified. And it's very easy to tell when mom and dad are not unified, right? And uh, unity is hard to describe with words, but it's easy to see. So turn over to Ephesians if you're not there. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. 
Jesus was the ultimate builder of unity. And over the course of his ministry, he broke down barriers rather than building. And that's what we're going to look at in Ephesians. Because one of the key themes of the book of Ephesians is, in fact, unity. So I want to talk a little bit about Ephesus and, and the, the place and the context to which this, this letter was written. Ephesus, it was the most, okay, Ephesus is here-ish. Okay, that's now what we know as Turkey. Back then it was Asia Minor. Ephesus was the most important city in the Roman province of Asia. Ephesus was the city where the east, eastern part of the world intersected with the western part of the world. Because of its location, right near all these major sea, seaways, and you have, you know, you got Rome, you've got Greece, you've got Egypt, you've got Jerusalem, you've got all of it. It was this, this perfect intersection for everything. It was a very busy city. Uh, it was the epicenter of exchange, right? Whether that's religion, culture, philosophy, goods, everything went through Ephesus. So you just had this melting pot, this blend of different cultures. It was a very rich, very exciting, very fun city. And I think we could say that I, I see our churches being similar to that, right? It's this beautiful blend of all different types of cultures and colors and ages and you name it. I mean, we've got every beautiful shade of brown you can imagine from dark all the way to clear, right? Because uh, there's those white people that even white people think are really white, okay? And it usually comes out at any sort of church function where there's a dance going on. Then you can kind of tell, right? Um, but it's just, we have this beautiful blend of all types of cultures within the church. And it's so, it's so much better that way. You know, I think about the campus ministry in the last two and a half years. I think 50% of the baptisms have been non-white. That's, and it's so much better, right? It's so much less just boring, okay? Uh, because, but but that's, that's so true. Culture just, it enriches the group. And that was Ephesus. It was this beautiful, exciting blend of different cultures and all different types of people. However... Much like everything else, our greatest strengths can also become our greatest challenges. And this, if not protected and guided, this blend of cultures can quickly turn into sections that are separated by interests or similarities. This leads to factions, divisions, and bitterness. And that was also true with Ephesus. It's a complicated mixture. Think about this, guys. Ephesus had Romans, Greeks, Jews, maybe Egyptians. Imagine that group of people all of a sudden trying to be unified and starting this church. Because think about it. The Jews definitely had issues with the Egyptians with their history. Greece had conquered the Jews. Rome had then conquered everybody and was still conquering everybody at the time. And so within the church, you've got all these different people with different backgrounds and different histories that could have a lot of reasons to have issues with one another. It was a complicated blend. It was challenging. And so it's no wonder that part of the main 
themes of the book of Ephesians was unity. If we read in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. However, it's interesting to note that Ephesus, Ephesus was one of the central hubs for Christianity for decades. For decades. Because I think if done properly, God can use a group that's unified like that to reach everyone. There is no limit to what God can do with that kind of unity. However, Satan can also have a heyday and a field day with that as well, right? But I, I think that God was able to use Ephesus to reach all different kinds of people. I think the same thing is true with our church here this morning. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, and we're just going to point out some key points in this passage. Verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, okay, you got Jews and everyone else that's not a Jew, which is a Gentile. Okay, just for those of you that don't know. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body, uh, uh, in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, fellow citizens of God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as a chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Such a rich passage. The first point I want to talk about is that unity breaks barriers. If there's unity, there can't be barriers. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. He's talking about the Jews and Gentiles, but when you look through the life and the, the, the ministry of Jesus, Jesus broke barriers constantly. Whether it's in Luke, we see him, or in John, we see Jesus spending time with an adulterous Samaritan woman. Now, those are three words that usually did not go in the same sentence as Messiah, right? Woman, adulterer, and Samaritan. But Jesus broke down barriers. We see in Luke, Kind of a slimy, deceitful tax collector that was stealing from everyone named Zacchaeus. 
What did Jesus do? Went over to his house for dinner. He said, you know what? I'm not going to make dinner for you, Zacchaeus, but I will come over to your house and eat your food, right? Uh, another story in Luke, we see that Jesus was having dinner with a self-righteous, arrogant Pharisee while letting an extremely sinful woman cry on his feet, whirl it around with her hair, and kiss his feet. That's an uncomfortable situation, I'd say. But Jesus broke down barriers. In Matthew, we see Jesus called the twelve. And two of the people he called on the same team, one was a tax collector, a traitor, right? A Jew that had decided to work for the Romans. And the other was a zealot, a guy that devoted his life to killing all the Romans and anyone associated with the Roman government. And Jesus brought both of them on the same team. Jesus was all about breaking down barriers. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are you a barrier breaker or a barrier builder? Everywhere Jesus went, He was an agent for unity. Are there barriers in your life that you allow to come between you and others? These can be all kinds of barriers. But guys, we've got to ask ourselves that question, am I building unity or am I building barriers? Now, just to clarify, uh, you know, I don't think Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm going to build some unity here. I'm going to go date all these non-Christians and uh, break barriers. No, I don't think that's quite what Jesus had in mind, right? Uh, I'm going to go to this party because I want to break down the barriers. No, okay, let's just keep in mind, Jesus broke down barriers by helping all these people be united in a relationship with God, okay? Uh, so he wasn't self-serving in this. All right, so j- just to clarify there. But guys, we've got to ask ourselves that question. Are you building unity? Are you building barriers? The next thing we see, next point, I've got them all up here. Unity produces peace. Verse 15, it says, His purpose was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. That's an interesting insight. One of Jesus' purpose, one of his missions in life was to create peace. And how did he do it? By building unity. In Psalms 133, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Peace comes from unity. Think about how peaceful your marriages are when you're united. Think about how peaceful your friendships are, your, house, your roommates, your household, when you guys are on the same page, when you're united. Think about how peaceful your locker room or your workplace, whatever. Think about just the peace that comes from being united. You know what the opposite of peace is? It's hostility. It means that opposition, that there's sides opposing one another. You can sense hostility, and he says that Jesus came and did away unifying, thus bringing peace. Unity brings peace. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. The third thing we see, unity requires sacrifice. Turn over to Ephesians 4. Verse 1. In verse 15 it says, His purpose was to create in Himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through 
the cross. That was verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians 2. Guys, unity does not come cheap. For Jesus, it took the cross. The price of unity, the price of our unity, was a flogging, a crown of thorns, three nails, and a tree. Unity is not cheap. Unity is not easy. Unity takes sacrifice. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, Jesus calls us to have that same level of sacrifice for unity. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And in verse 11, it says, Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Make every effort for unity. And guys, there's no unity without sacrifice. I think we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to sacrifice for unity? I don't know what that means. Maybe that means, you know, we've all had those nights where it's like, I just want a night off, and I just want to invite my best buds over, watch the game, and just kind of chill. Maybe unity means, but I'll also invite those couple guys that I'm not too close with and have to put some effort into building friendship with, and maybe that's unity. I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe it's financial sacrifice. Maybe it's time. Whatever. Unity takes sacrifice. It does not come natural. It doesn't come cheap. And it doesn't come easy. How much are we willing to sacrifice for unity? Once again, guys, the cross leaves no room for excuses. Jesus sacrificed everything and He called us to do the same. The last thing is that unity is only through Jesus. In uh, in Ephesians 2, it says, for through Him, we both have access. And in Him, The whole building is joined together. Unity does not come without Jesus. You ever have those friends in the church that you're like, man, I love you, dude. And if we weren't Christians, I wouldn't even talk to you, right? Like we wouldn't even. But that's that's the power. That's the power of Jesus. Only with, I mean, you, you. we look at the church and I think so many of us could say, In what other world or kingdom would we be best friends, right? We have nothing in common. We are nothing alike. We don't have any of the same interests. We are completely opposite. You annoy me and I'm a Christian, so I can't even imagine what things would be like if we weren't Christians, right? Only in the church, only through Jesus can we have that kind of unity. Guys, because think about it. Think about this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what background you're from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. We are all striving to become like the same person. That unifies us. We are all following the same teachings. That unifies us. And we're all working toward the same mission. 
Only through Jesus does that unity come. But when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we stop focusing on Jesus, when we stop trying to all become like the same guy and start all becoming like our own individual people, that's when unity starts to break down. When we stop holding to God's Word and we start following our own ideas, unity starts to break down. When we start pursuing our own missions rather than pursuing Jesus' mission, unity starts to break down. We can only have unity through Christ. Guys, let's focus on Jesus. Amen? As we close, turn to John 17. Verse 20. I think it's safe to say as you read through the Gospels, Jesus prayed frequently. But there's only a handful of those prayers, what He prayed, that are actually recorded. This is one of those. And I think that that says something. I think of all the prayers Jesus prayed, the fact that this one was recorded, I think that's pretty significant. Let's see what He says in John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed that we would be one, just as Him and the Father were one. And what did He say? He said that this would be a message to the world that I am real and that I love them. Guys, our unity sends a message to the world. Your unity with your roommates sends a message to the world. Your unity with your spouse your unity with your ministry, whatever, it sends a message to the world that Jesus was real and that He loves them. What does disunity send? What message does a lack of unity send? If God's body, if His disciples can't be unified, I guess the opposite's true. Well, if even His followers can't be unified, then I guess Jesus wasn't real or He doesn't love me. Right? Because that's the power of the church. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how much of a loser you used to be or a scumbag or your sin or whatever. Even you can be brought near. Even you who don't belong, who don't deserve it. It does not matter who you are. Even you have the opportunity to be brought near because of the cross. So no one in the world should ever feel like they don't have a place to go because there's a body of believers. There's a body, a group of people following Jesus. And when I see their unity, when I see all the different backgrounds, when I see all the different types of people, all the different ages, all the different rate, whatever, when I see that group of people getting along, loving one another, figuring it out, I know that I've got a place. And it sends a message that Jesus loves everybody. No one should ever feel unloved. And they get that message by seeing the unity of God's people. So as a church, we have an opportunity to impact the world and send a message that Jesus is real and that Jesus loves you by our unity. But it doesn't come cheap. It takes sacrifice. 
It takes focusing on Jesus. Amen? It breaks down barriers. Brothers and sisters, are we building barriers? Are we building unity? Let's make every effort to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer and we'll close with a song. Father, we love You with all of our heart. God, we're so grateful. I'm so grateful for Your church. God, it's such a... I love our church here at Free State. God, it's such just a special group of people. I'm so grateful for everybody here. I'm so grateful for how different we all are. God, it just it makes it so fun and enriching. It's just so exciting. God, I'm thankful for unity. I love unity. God, it, it truly is so good and pleasant when your people are unified. God, I thank you for the extent, the sacrifice that your son went to so that we could be unified. God, I pray that we would have that same effort for unity. God, I love you. God, I pray that we would break down barriers. God, that we wouldn't build uh, opposition with one another. There wouldn't be barriers between us, but we could be unified, God. That, that we can think through every decision we're about to make, everything we're about to say, every post on Facebook we're about to put, what, that we would think through, is this going to build a barrier or is this going to build unity? God, we love you. We need you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and close with one more song.